Good evening. Oh, got a good bit of you out here tonight, which I'm excited about. Praise the Lord. Um, because we want to see more of this in the body of Christ. More of us gathering together. More of us being the body of Christ daily. Um, and we'll be talking about that more on Sunday. So tune in on Sunday because you're getting a lot of me, a good healthy dose of Zach in this unfortunate looking face. So good evening to all of you guys online. Thanks for tuning in. Hopefully we'll see you in on Sunday as well. And hopefully we'll be able to see you guys more in person as well as we gather back together coming back from this, um, I guess, wind down for COVID and then building back up after we've winded down for COVID. Um, I'm going to pray for us and then we will get into the word. So if you would bow with me. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy, Lord. As it's already been prayed tonight, it's already been said tonight, we're just thankful to be able to be here. We are thankful to be able to be in the presence of other saints, Lord. Um, there's just something that is so sweet about your presence with your saints, Lord. Your spirit testifies into your spirit inside of us, Lord, and it's just exciting. So I thank you for that, Lord, as we worship you, Lord, in song, as we worship you in prayer, as we worship you in presence, God, and as we worship you in receiving the words that you have for us, God, I just pray that you would speak mightily. God, I ask that you would move inside of me, um, Lord, that you would bring me to a, a greater point of brokenness and greater point of nearness to you, Jesus. And I pray the same for each one of us in this room, Lord. I pray for the, the kids in the ATG right now as well, God, that you would anoint their time, that they would be filled with your presence, God, and that you would draw those kids to yourself, Lord. Now we give this time to you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So we're in Proverbs 28. If you want to open up your Bibles. Um, we're going to be looking at Proverbs 28, and we're nearing the end of our Proverbs study. Um, I know that we've been in Proverbs for a good while now in our Wednesday studies. I mean, honestly, we started Proverbs before I was even in the country. So that's been a pretty long while, but we've been skipping a lot of different Wednesdays because we've been actually enjoying more fellowship, more discipleship interactives. We've taken time for discipleship. But I hope that you guys are excited and pumped up what I would like to say locked in or dialed in for the end of these of these books of uh, the, the last five chapters of the books of Proverbs, book of Proverbs. Scott kicked that off a couple weeks ago with Proverbs 27, and we'll finish that off in a couple months with Pastor Tim in Proverbs 31. And it's been a really great actual um, challenge for everyone who's taught Proverbs because Proverbs isn't an easy, straightforward book. You have a line and you have another line that says something completely different than it. And you have another line that says something completely different. So you have a, a line that goes about finances. And the next line says something about your dog. And the next line says something about the horse, you know, and it's just, it's confusing. But these last couple chapters in Proverbs are actually really good. And they're actually, I believe, much more streamlined than the rest of Proverbs. Uh, let's see. Yeah, it says up there what our title is for the day. I'm not a, a very much slides person, so Pastor Trevor put this slide together for me so you guys can have something pretty to look at up there. Um, as you can see, our title for the day is actually Wicked and Righteous Understanding and Influence. Not Wicked and Righteous Understanding and Influence, but Wicked, righteous, 
understanding and influence. Um, so yeah, I hope that you guys are excited also about the application of what's about to come in these last four chapters, as it's not only good for nuggets of wisdom that we think about a lot of times inside of Proverbs, but it's also honestly just draws us closer to Jesus Christ. So James, in James 2, 4 through 26, reminds us that faith without works is dead. So is, honestly, listening to the scriptures, listening to teachings, preachings, conviction from the Holy, uh, the Holy Spirit without application. It's dead. It does you no profit. Actually, I hate the word application, so I'm going to use the word, I'm going to use it instead of saying, I don't hate it. I don't love the word application. So let's say hearing or listening to any of those things without obedience is actually dead. So it's my prayer that in these last four Proverbs studies, and even the last, the fifth one, going back to a couple weeks ago whenever Scott taught on um, Proverbs 27, in these last four Proverbs studies, that in that one, in the last one, the fifth one, you would receive what the Lord has for you and also walk in obedience to the words that the Lord speaks to you. So I first, before starting, actually I have to apologize to Scott because I'm not going to start in Proverbs 28.1. I'm actually going to start in Proverbs 27. And Scott did a wonderful um, teaching. And if you haven't listened to it or you weren't here, go back and listen to it. It's on our website. Um, a really good job of teaching Proverbs 27. But the more that I read through Proverbs 27 through Proverbs 31, the more that I read through that, the more that I saw that the very end of Proverbs 27, 23 through 27, the verses, actually help with us understanding the end of the last chapters of Proverbs. I feel like those four verses, or five verses, five verses, look at me, I can't count. Those last five verses actually are a nice rubric for us to unlock the rest of Proverbs. And we'll get into why that is in just a minute. So... Um, yeah, let's take a look at Proverbs 27. We're going to start in Proverbs 27, 23. And I'm going to read 23 through 27. Know well the conditions of your flocks and give attention to your herds, for riches do not last forever. And does a crown endure to all generations? When the grass is gone and the new growth appears and the vegetation of the mountains is gathered, the lambs will provide your clothing and the goats the price of a field. There will be enough goat's milk for your food. And for, yeah, there will be enough goat's milk for your food for the food of your household and maintenance for your girls. Isn't it interesting that in, this, in these scriptures it talks to all of us and says to each one of us to examine our flocks. Take a look at your herds. That if we don't give attention to our herds and we don't give attention to our flocks, then we'll end up with nothing. We'll end up with nothing. Because it says that riches don't last forever, nor does lineage keep the authority that is given to it for forever. You know, we really, really can see this in Israel and in Judea and in the two kingdoms there. We can see that they, they went from David's kingdom, David's lineage in Judea, but also the good that came from those kings did not stay. 
if you had a good king, was not meant that you would have a second good king right behind them. Actually, inside of that whole time period before they went off into Babylon, it only happened twice where you went from good king to good king and then good king to good king. And that first happened with Asa and Jehoshaphat. They were both good kings before Jehoram came along and he did evil. And also with Uzziah and Jotham, they were both good before his son Ahaz came along and was wicked. So this just leads and shows that you can't always pass the buck off. You can't say, oh, well, I, you know, I looked at my flock a little bit so I can then pass the buck down to them that, because my kids or those who are coming after, the ones who are in the flock, the other shepherds are going to take care of the flock. No, in reality, it's you that has to take care of your flock. Some of us might even be saying, hey, Zach, I don't have a flock. I'm, I'm 12. I'm 12. I'm not a pastor. I don't have a flock. I'm, I, I have my kids. That's it. That's all I got, my kids, and I'm watching them every day over and over and over again, and it's driving me insane. That's just me. Sorry. <laughs> not all you guys. You guys are much more um, righteous than I am. Um, but no, reality is, is that each one of us has a flock. Do you have a church? Do you have friends? Because I would go ahead and say that a flock is anyone that you have influence over. Anyone that you have influence over. It's been said recently in the last 30 or 40 years that leadership boiled down is just basically influence. Now, I don't, I don't buy into that completely, that that's the only form of leadership that we have. But it's pretty good thought to think, oh, wait, we actually have influence over people. And those people that we do have influence over tend to be a part of our group, our flock, our herd that we can manage. So if we don't take care of our flocks and we leave it to someone else, the chances are that our flocks really won't last that verse in there and uh, the, that second part of verse 24 says, does a crown endure to all generations? No, it doesn't. Neither does our righteousness endure to, endure to the next generation. No matter how well we grow them up, does it endure? Will they take it exactly how we've done it? So it means that it's on you, brother and sister. It's on you to pay attention to your flock. And if you do, then in there you will find your provision. Look at verses 26 and 27. The lambs will provide your clothing, and the goats the price of a field. There will be enough goat's milk for your food, for the food of your household, and then for the maintenance of your girls. Inside of our flocks is actually where we'll get our provision from. And, I, and when I say provision, I don't mean your finances. I mean your spiritual provision. I mean your comfort provision. When something bad happens inside of your family and you need somebody to come and put your arm around you, who's going to do it? It's going to be those who are close to you. So are you paying attention to your flocks? Are you looking at them? So unless we do this in a godly way, then we won't get very much back from it. Much profit won't come. 
So you might be saying, Zach, how do we take care of our flocks in a godly way? Well, I'm glad you asked that um, because the following verses, chapter 28, that we're actually going to get into, actually gives us a good glimpse into that. So let's start with verse 1 in chapter 28. I'm going to bounce around a good bit inside of the verses because I don't believe that, that these Proverbs, they actually go verse to verse to verse quite sequentially. So I will be knocking back and forth. But we'll start in, chapter, in verse 1 in chapter 28. It says, The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. If you aren't paying attention and you aren't taking stock of your flock, then you will probably flee. You'll flee when the problems come. But I tell you, the righteous can stand as bold as a lion. And I've learned this this, um, verse by experience. In India, we have a whole bunch of, a, a lot of corruption. And we have a whole bunch of bribes that come in. And whenever police officers and whenever officials come around, you will literally see people closing up their shops and running and fleeing. Why? Because if they catch you, then what are they going to do? They're going to squeeze as much cheese out of you as they can. They want that money. They want something from you. So they want you to do it. Some of us can think about that as, as in the mafia that we had or have in New York and places like that. When the mafia come around, they come knocking. They're looking for favors or they're looking for something from you. And if they can hold something over your head, then they're going to get what they want from you. But if you are above board, then there's nothing that they can hold over your head. We like to say that uh, if there's skeletons in your closet, then you always have to keep hiding those skeletons. But if a skeleton is where it's supposed to be, out in front of everybody, in the ground, buried, then nobody really even worries about it. We, uh, after doing business in India for about five years, we're doing everything above board inside of our business. And we gained the, 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 uh, the I guess the saying kind of came about, about from us where all the people would say, well, you can't, the officials say, you can't touch those guys. Those guys have nothing to hide. We were able to stand as bold as a lion. The guy would come and he would say, all right, I'm here to, to do this. And he'd be saying, all right, you need to pay me these fines. You need to pay me these fines. I'm like, okay, you find whatever you need to find and I'll pay you those fines. He'd be like, well, uh, 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 wait, 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 wait a second. You mean, uh, so, so you guys actually have these documents? Yeah, yeah, here's the documents. Take a look at it. Oh, I don't even know what these are. I'm, I just ask people for these documents. They don't have them. So, uh, okay, go about your business. So he started saying there's nothing that they can hold over us. So, yeah, we don't want to, we don't want to hide anything. So let's take a look at verse 13. It says, whoever conceals... Let me go back before I start that. I just missed, skipped over something. Uh, so we have to be the same way with our influence over different people. Now, I'm not saying that you have to be perfect, but you do have to be above board. You do want to keep your influence intact, and you do want to walk with people in the right way. With your flocks and our herds, whenever we're actually stewarding them and we're taking attention of them, we want to actually keep that influence with them. If we're beating our flocks and we're telling them, don't beat your flocks, but then we're beating them, then will your flock listen to you? No, they won't. If I'm telling my kids, hey, don't smoke, and I have a cigarette in my hand, then what are they going to do? Disregard everything that I say. In the same way, we want to be above board with all of the people 
that we have influence over. So our verses 13 and 14 give us a bit more insight into this situation. Verse 13 says, Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. First, if there's a transgression, if there is something that wrong has happened inside of your flocks, inside of your herds, own it. Confess it. Even if it's a big one. Instead, pay the fee. Deal with the repercussions. Concealing your, con- your, concealing your transgressions will ultimately kill your soul. Don't even give the darkness a chance to overcome you. Instead, lean on the everlasting light of Jesus. John 1.5 says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness is not overcome it. The New Living Translation says that the darkness has not extinguished the light. The New King James says that the darkness cannot comprehend the light. All three of those things are absolutely true. They're all a yes. The darkness hides nothing. It only kills the light. Catch that. The darkness hides nothing. It only kills the light if you allow it. If you allow darkness into you, then it will push the light away from you because you're not leaning on the everlasting light of Jesus. But Jesus calls us to live in the light of his glory where darkness has no power. Instead, we receive blessing by owning up to our transgressions, by owning up to our sin, by saying, God, I have sinned against you, by saying to our brother, our sister, our kids, I have sinned against you. I've done this. I've transgressed against you. When we confess and forsake or confess and repent, we will truly obtain mercy. And that mercy means, just an explanation of what that mercy means, it means that we won't get what we deserve. We won't get what we deserve. Ephesians 2 says, I'm going to paraphrase here, but it says, we were dead in our trespasses and sin following the course of this world and the prince of the powers of the air as sons of disobedience. But God, but God, but God, but God, but God, he stepped in being rich in mercy because of his great love gave us the gift of grace in Jesus Christ. Confessing your sins and your trespasses, brothers and sisters, and he will give you mercy. That's a good God. We just sang about it. He's a good, good father. He loves to pour out his mercy on us and give us what we, grace is giving us what we don't deserve. Mercy is not giving us what we deserve. That's my son doing something wrong and me saying, son, you're about to go to your room or you're about to get a discipline here, but I'm not going to give it to you because I am having mercy on you. Grace on the side of that would actually be giving you the thing that you don't deserve on top of it. All right, so instead I'm going to actually give you some love, a hug, a kiss, maybe some ice cream later on. No, I don't do that. (laughs) So yeah, we also want to confess our shortcomings to each other. Keep short our accounts so that you can actually give proper attention to your flocks and keep good influence with them. Verse 14 tells us that blessed is the one who fears the Lord always, but whoever hardens his heart will fall into calamity. If we fear the Lord and stay soft, then he will bless us. But how hard it is whenever we stay soft, uh, stay, get hard. 
If we harden our heart, then calamity will fall upon us. Psalm 51.17 says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. God is telling us that if we're soft, then we'll actually be able to hear the words that are spoken to us. We'll actually be able to hear what comes to us. So instead of being proud and saying, oh, I don't do anything wrong, whenever a reproach comes to you and someone says, hey, brother, you've done this, you've stepped on my toe, I'll be able to say, oh, I actually did step on your toe. I'm sorry there. And then confession will happen more easily. Proverbs 29.1 also tells us that if we continue in our stiff neck, then we'll be broken beyond healing. That's pretty scary, and that's pretty rough. God wants us to be soft and moldable so that godly sorrow and godly brokenness can easily come to us. Then God can bless us and guide us. You know, a leader or one who has influence who is soft is always better than a leader who is rigid and hard. None of us want to be under the leader who's always cracking the whip at us because he's so hard. Whenever you say, hey, maybe if we just do this a little bit different, and you say, not, you can't tell me that. I'm the one that's the leader. But a leader who's soft and says, yeah, you know, maybe we could try it that way. Maybe we could do those things. It's the same way of our influence. That leads us into our next little section, talking about influence and leadership. We'll take a look at verse 2 first. When a land transgresses, it has many transgresses. It has many rulers, but with a man of understanding and knowledge, its stability will long continue. We can honestly see this truth in our country right now. Our land has many different leaders. The current government, the past government, the celebrities, the sports stars, the media, etc. We have a lot of different leaders, a lot of different people who are telling us what to do and what to believe and what to think. I mean, my goodness gracious, just look at what people think about vaccine, about the vaccine. Some of us think it's, it's going to save us. Some of us think it's going to kill us. Some of us think it's a computer chip in it. Some of us think that maybe it's going to actually help at all. And everyone is buying, telling you what to do. Whenever you have many leaders, it's because the land is transgress, trans, transgressing. Goodness, I'm struggling with that word. Transgressing. The land is doing a lot of wrong. But this is what we really need, is the second half of that verse. A man of understanding and knowledge, then the stability will continue. What is a man of understanding? I personally think that you can, under, you can exchange the word understanding for um, this verse in Ephesians 1.17. So this is actually a prayer that Paul has given to the people. But I think that this verse is really what we're looking for whenever we're talking about understanding. It says that the, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of, of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So I believe that, that understanding equals a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So every time that we see understanding in any of these verses that we go through, you can immediately say, oh, that's understanding of, this, of a spirit of wisdom and the, and the knowledge of Jesus Christ, the revelation and knowledge of Jesus Christ. We all really need this understanding for anything to go as it's supposed to go. 
So let's look at more understand, verses of understanding in this chapter. Let's take a look at verse 5. Evil men do not understand justice, but those who seek the Lord understand it completely. Um, pretty easy kind of revelation here is social justice. We've got a lot of social justice going around right now. Very few of the people who are actually doing social justice are doing it by the way that Jesus calls it to be done. It's your own justice. It's because I said it's justice. That's what it is. It's not actually what God has said. The folks that are seeking this social justice aren't seeking it through and in Jesus. I mean, you can look at bylaws of organizations and everything just to really understand that. He and his scriptures are the measure for justice, not us. Period. You can't change that. Verse 11 goes on to that a little bit more. It says, a rich man is wise in his own eyes, but a poor man who has understanding will find him out. So one who has the revelation and the knowledge of Jesus Christ will find out one who's fake. You can tell them the Spirit of God will testify to the Spirit inside of them. If they truly have the Spirit of God inside of them, then it'll testify. Because it's testifying to itself. Just as the Trinity, just as Jesus testifies to the Father, the Father testifies to the Spirit, the Spirit testifies to Jesus, Jesus testifies to the Spirit, the Spirit testifies to the Father, they're all testifying back and forth to each other. Why? Because they're the same. They're exactly the same. Now, the, the spirit of Jesus Christ will actually tell through a man who thinks himself wise. And it'll tell them if they're wicked or foolish. Because if you have understanding, then you'll actually yield to him. If you don't have understanding and the revelation and the knowledge of Jesus Christ, then you will not yield to him. Which brings us to verse 16. A ruler who lacks understanding is a cruel oppressor, but he who hates unjust, unjust gains will prolong his days. We see again that someone who has influence, who lacks the spirit of wisdom and the knowledge of Jesus Christ, will truly be cruel and they will oppress. I mean, how many times, I'll be honest with you, how many times have you heard people say, you're not submitting to me? Instead of saying, you're not submitting to Jesus. You're not submitting to his scriptures. I can show it to you right here. There's a wisdom and a knowledge and a spirit of Jesus Christ inside of us that really will lead, lead us, uh, sorry, it really will um, lead us to hate those who have unjust gains and it will prolong our days. So let's just kind of step back for a second and look at the outside of this too, okay? So a man can look good on the inside or look good on the outside but actually still be not having that understanding of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And our last, of, <clears throat> our last verse to this understanding section, we're going to take a look at verse 26. Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. We see that those who walk in wisdom, a wisdom, a spirit of wisdom and the knowledge of Jesus Christ, the fear of the Lord being the beginning of wisdom, but walking in the knowledge and the revelation of Jesus Christ is actually the manifestation of wisdom. So we know that we'll be delivered if we keep walking in the spirit of wisdom. But we are wicked and foolish to trust in our own mind. 
And so all of these things that we just kind of talk about talk about how to take care of our flocks. We don't oppress our flocks. We lead our flocks. We don't, we don't get unjust gain with our flocks. No, we do it above board. We love our flocks. We don't look to our own understanding, but we look to whose understanding? To Jesus's, because we're looking to him. He is the understanding, because it's the revelation and knowledge of him. So let's take, let's take stock of our flocks, because ultimately, our flocks within them is where we will find our welfare. So questions are, are we doing right by our flocks? Are we doing right by our children, by our friends, by our church, by our family, by our work friends? Are we doing right by them? Are we trusting in the Lord, or are we trusting in our own mind like a foolish person? There's a lot more to say in this chapter, but for time's sake, I'm just going to mention something quickly that has a lot of different verses in it. It has to do with poor and rich and finances. Um, you can take a look at these verses if you want to jot them down. You can look at them and just kind of look at them in light of, of uh, Proverbs 27, 23 through 27. These verses, and, and just kind of thinking about what it looks like to do with our flocks and how to take stock of them, how to pay attention to them, and what we'll get from them. Uh, these verses are verses 3, verse 6, verse 8, verse 11, verse 15, verse 20, verse 22, verse 24, verse 25, and verse 27. I'll say that again. So there's a lot of those. Verse 3, verse 6, verse 8, verse 11, 15, 20, 22, 24, 25, and 27. Each one of those verses talk about poor and rich people, but I'll sum them all up in verse 19 just to save us time. Verse 19 says, the, whoop, I, I definitely was in 30 just then, about to read something about an eagle. That's not what we're reading about. Whoever works his land will have plenty of, plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits will have plenty of poverty. Thinking in light of our flocks and our herds, you can see that if you take care of them and diligently look after them, feed them, love them, tend them, train them, and teach them up, then you'll have plenty. If you don't, then you'll have lots of poverty. And whenever I think about poverty, I think of it as in or, uh, um, a lot of different ways. It's emotional poverty, financial poverty, physical poverty, and above all else, spiritual poverty. If you neglect your kids, your church, your family, your job, those who you have influence over, then you will have poverty. You know, I, I love on one hand and I hate on the other hand all of our superstar sports people using their voice for change. I'm so excited about it because they are influencers. I hate it because they're not using Jesus as the influence that they're changing. Even the ones who actually truly do love Jesus are not speaking about Jesus. They're speaking about other things. Let's make sure we use our influence over our flocks for spiritual gain 
All right, before we finish tonight, we're, we're getting close to the end, but I want to take us, have us take a look at three last verses. They all speak to what the law says to us. So we're going to take a look at verses 4, 7, and 9. And the law, whenever we talk about this, is actually the Mosaic law, would have been what Solomon would have been talking about here. But let's sum up the law um, in, the New, in New Testament thinking as the whole counsel of God, a.k.a. the Holy Scriptures, the Bible. So it's his whole counsel. We've seen his whole counsel. So when we read these three verses and go over them, let's look introspectively at ourselves as leaders of flocks, leaders of the herd, and those who steward God's grace, his reconciliation, and his holy scriptures, a.k.a. the law. So we're going to take a look at verse 4 first. Those who forsake the law praise the wicked, but those who keep the law strive against them. So in light of keeping our flocks and herds, those who keep the law will fight against someone who's against the law, a thief, a murderer, a bully, etc. But those who reject the law will applaud those people. And they'll say, wow, they're doing great. Look at how wonderful they're doing. Why? Because either they want to do those things or they are doing those things. They've already rejected the law of Jesus Christ. So if you hear someone that is rejecting the law of Jesus Christ and they're leading people down a wrong path, you can go ahead and ask them the question, why are you doing this? Especially if they're standing up and they're saying, no, this is what Jesus wants us to do. Because honestly, they either, it's either one of those two things. They want to do what those people are doing, how they're transgressing the law, or they already are transgressing the law. Our country's current political atmosphere makes it really easy for us to compromise the law of Jesus Christ. We also applaud those who do that. I see people in the church quite often praising people who are very wicked. We look at those people and we're saying, oh, well, look at how great they're doing. But actually, those people are extremely wicked. If, you, if this verse is true, then we actually strive against those people. We fight against the wickedness instead of applauding it. We push back and fight against the wickedness. The state of our country, because the, because the church is honestly, the state of our country is because the church has honestly taken a passive stance on so many different things. Who's supposed to take care of widows and orphans? The church. Who's supposed to be loving the hurt and oppressed? The church. But what have we done? We've given it over to the government. Then we complain when the worldly do worldly things. I mean, we complain when the worldly do worldly things with the roles and the authority that the Lord has given us. Church, we truly have to wake up and push back the kingdom of darkness. Because as we read earlier in John 1, Jesus has not and will not be overcome. He is the light, and the light will not be overcome. Honestly, when the darkness comes in and overcomes, it is more of a sign that the light is not in us. Because the light will not be overcome. I'm just saying... Let's take a checkup and pay attention to the condition of our flocks and our herds. Let's take a look at verse 7. The one who keeps the laws is a son with understanding. What is understanding? That spirit of, not, spirit of wisdom and knowledge and the revelation of Jesus Christ. But a companion of gluttons shames his father. Here we see that if we keep the law, it will bring us that understanding. But one who doesn't take stock of the times or keeps companion with those who are gluttons will shame his father. Dare I say his heavenly father? 
Are we gluttons or are we keeping company with gluttons? Not all of us are gluttons for food, but are we gluttons for self, for TV, for downtime, for me time, for money, for retirement, for our jobs, for our time? Are we gluttons for any of those things? Dare I say, are some of us gluttons for Jesus things, but not Jesus' commandments? We love our Christian music, don't we? Oh, we love our daily devotionals, don't we? But we're never going to walk in them. Never going to be transformed by them. Never going to worship God in all of them. Do we spend time learning and reading, but never actually walking out his commands? Remember what we talked about in James 2 earlier. Are we gluttons or are we sitting in the company of gluttons who hear and do not, and, and he, who are hearers and not doers? Or should I say listeners but not obeyers of the commands of Christ? Let's take stock because if they are those things, then we want to t- turn those sheep back. We want to bring them back, those, those sheep and those goats. And we want to say, come on, flock. Come on, herd. Come back in. That's why we take stock. All right, finally, we'll take a look at verse 9. It's a tough verse. It's pretty hard. If one turns away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayers is an abomination. It's a tough verse. It's hard. And honestly, it should bring a tear to our eyes and hurt our hearts and our heads. But it's very true. If one turns away his ear from hearing the law, then... I won't hear what he has to say. It's kind of the same old adage. I say this, I think I've said this probably five or six times here um, about my own kids. You know, my kids are like, I'm like, kids, go clean your room. The kids go to clean their room. They go upstairs. They come downstairs at some point. And I'm, and I'm like, they're like, hey, can we go outside and play? And I'm like, did you clean your room? They say, no. And I say, okay, go clean your room. And then they go back upstairs and they play for a while and they do whatever, come back downstairs and say, hey, can we go play outside? And I say, did you clean your room? And they say, no. I say, okay, go clean your room. I can't even hear anything that they're going to say because they didn't do what I told them to do. That's what this verse is saying. How often does God tell us something? Does he he convict you of something, brother and sister? How often? I'm talking to you guys online too. How often does he convict you of something? You push that conviction away and then you beg him for something else. It's an abomination. You have to listen and follow the law, which I would say is the full wholeness of God, his whole counsel. And if you don't have that whole counsel, then your prayers truly will be hindered. Hear it and hear it well, church. If the Lord is trying to deal with you in something and the scriptures are testifying to you, then your prayers will not hear his ears. They will not reach his ears. And if you're in, they, your prayers will not reach his ears if you're ignoring his words to you. Go to the Lord and be soft like we talked about in verses 13 and 14 earlier. Fear the Lord and confess your transgressions. Receive his repentance and walk in his words. Because he is called the way, because he is the way. It's not yours or ours, it's his. One of the easiest ways to take care of our flock and our herds is simply by praying for them. But if we aren't listening to his commands, then our prayers will truly be an abomination. All right, so here are your questions for you tonight. You know, I got to bring some questions and leave them simmering with you and pondering for you, right? So are you taking stock of your flocks, your herds, 
Are you taking stock of yourself? Have you taken stock of your herds, your flocks, and yourself? Here's our second question. Where are you at with all that? If you've taken stock, have you changed? Have you started to herd in your, your started to bring in your herd? If everybody's running out wild, have you started bringing them in? Have you realized this one's over here in transgression? Have you started talking to it? And the next question, are you hearing and obeying his commands or are you just listening without obedience? And lastly, are you walking in his ways or are you struggling to find your way? Because I'll tell you, church, he is the good shepherd and he himself is taking stock of his flock and he is paying attention to his flock. That's why he's giving you conviction. That's why he's speaking to you through the Holy Spirit. That's why he's giving you his word. And he knows, not that he's gonna get his provision from us, because God does not need any provision from us, but God knows that through us, it'll take care of all of this verse, last verse in, in Proverbs 27, 27, says, there will be enough goat's milk for your food and for the food of your whole household and maintenance for your girls. Because God knows that if we are seeking his face, if we are loving him, if we are loving those around us, then it'll take care of everybody else. We will take care of everybody else. Because boys and girls, there is plenty to go around. There is plenty to go around. Okay, let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your word, Lord. I pray that uh, your word would go forth. Lord, I pray that what was spoken tonight would strike us, Lord, even if it wasn't presented by me in the most amazing way, God. I just pray that it would go forth. Lord, that your word would not turn back void. Lord, and that you would move in each of our hearts, God that we would love you, that we would know you more, God, that as we take stock of our flocks, as we take stock of ourselves as shepherds, Lord, are we treating our flock in the right way? Are we loving our children, our friends, our family, our church? Are we loving those who we have influence over? Or are we just acting in wicked ways? Do we have understanding that wisdom and knowledge and revelation of you, Jesus? Do we have that? And are we using that influence in the right way, God? Or are we walking in our own, our own steps, our own ways? Yeah, Lord, just give us that time to take stock, to pay attention to our flock so that we can have provision for everyone around us, our maid servants, our maid girls, our men, our women, our family, our brothers, our hurting brothers, our persecuted brothers and sisters, Lord. Now, Father, we just ask that you'd speak to us and that you would grow us more in you, Jesus. We love you and we praise you. It's in your holy, precious name, Jesus. Amen.